0: Brother Edward, thank you very much. Appreciate that prayer, Troy. <coughs> Beloved, if you would be turning to Jeremiah 29. We're going to be talking tonight about making the best of a bad situation. This is, <coughs> I'm sorry. We've been studying at Georgia Christian School of the Prophets this year. And we not long ago got uh, finished with Jeremiah and moved on to the book of Nehemiah. But um, Jeremiah is one of the many prophets that God has sent to Israel over a 400-year period trying to get them to repent and leave their idolatry and and the rest of their sins and to return to him, and they wouldn't do it. So he told them, and he's been telling them through his prophets for a long time that he was going to have them purposely go into Babylonian captivity and and so th- our text is when they're in babylonian captivity and he tells them what to do brethren it's not a good situation and and god basically said you know what you need to make the best out of this bad situation because they're going to be there for 70 years because that's what god promised and and so and and slavery in that day and age uh, that was bad it, it was it was very harsh uh, not a lot of people live very long. A lot of times in the type of slavery that the Babylonians and others of that day imposed on people. And so, brethren, I'm sure you're familiar with that record of God having the Jews to be taken. Uh, in the, in fact, He purposely raised up Babylon, which was a kind of, just a um, you know non-important, non-impactful type country at, at the time, and God rose them up for the purpose of enslaving His people. And uh, and the reason the Jews went into captivity was because of their sin and the refusal to repent of their sin and and brethren especially the idolatry that god told them in the very beginning of the ten commandments you'll have no other gods before me and you're not to build an idol to yourself and so they do that so the book of jeremiah is where jeremiah sent a letter to the captives already in captivity, advising them that the best course of action to them would simply be, as we're going to see, to settle down and make the best of the situation that they're in. We we have ter- uh, sayings about like that, you know. We say that you are to bloom where you're what? Planted. If life gives you lemon, make tea. Not lemonade, right. Uh, so, uh, and so, that boy's got his daddy's voice. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, But, y'all, this was good advice because they were going to be there for 70 years, and the reason we know they were going to be there that long is because God himself said, you're going to be there for 70 years. And so there wasn't a a single thing they could do to change that fact. And so this is, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, the lessons we can learn from this tonight, I think one of them is, is that the way that we prepare for the future is to learn from our past. You've heard the saying that says those who fail to learn from their past are doomed to repeat it. And the lessons learned here is that there are some things that cannot be changed no matter how diligently we struggle uh, to alter certain things. Gentlemen, that's hard for us men to think, to, 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 uh, to sink in, isn't it, sometimes? Because we men think we can fix anything, right? I mean, if we just try hard enough and put enough effort in it, then sooner or later we're going to get the outcome that we want. But brethren, there are certain things that God has ordained, such as this with Israel because of their sin, that it's not going to change. Have you ever uh, faithfully prayed about something, and I mean, you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and it didn't come to pass? And it may be a situation like this, brethren, where it's not God's will that that that, that He give you that whatever you pray for at that moment. It's not that God's abandoned you; it's just not within His will, and He's done. Uh, ordain or determine certain things are going to be. So what does our reaction be to these trials that we're going to go through in this this life, these unexpected challenges, these tribulations, these crises that we're going to go through at one point in our life? Most importantly, brethren, we we, we need to not rebel or despair. Why should we give up our hope if we have a close relationship with our Heavenly Father? But the sad fact is, and you all know this from... Watching it that many usually do one of those two things, don't they? When they hit a crisis, when they hit that wall, they, they'll give up hope or, or they, will, they will rebel against God or despair and just quit. And we can't do that. So here's the situation. Let's look at the, the text when, um, and, uh, the, when God speaks, Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14, okay? Thus says the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel to the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You're going to see this, word, this phrase, God repeatedly reminds them, I have sent you there, okay? And then he says, build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, and multiply there, and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its its welfare you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Now, listen to verse 11, brethren. Many of y'all have this on your Bible covers. I had one on my old Bible cover, Was this verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. We read that during prosperous times and while we're being blessed, and think, that's a great verse. Brothers and sisters, these are people that are enslaved. These are people that know they're going to be enslaved for 70 years. So I would imagine that verse would have, or that statement would have a lot more meaning perhaps to them in their situation. Verse 12 Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then, he says, you're going to do that. Brethren, it's going to take 70 years of captivity to cure Israel of their idolatry. You will seek me, verse 13, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's the key, isn't it? You can't do it half-heartedly. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. That's God's word, brothers and sisters. So what happens when God speaks? You see, the the captivity of the Jews by the Babylonians, was that was God done. God did that. He ordained that. He made sure it happened, brothers and sisters. And it was done as a chastisement for their sinfulness, especially their idolatry. He told them that's what he was going to do that, that he was going to do that. He told them very specifically over a a 400-year period that he was going to do that. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 8 says, And God loves, he chastises, and it's painful, but it's for our good that he does that. And so, brothers and sisters, we an important lesson to be learned from this is that when God speaks, it's oftentimes final. There's, a, there's occasions in the Bible, of course, where under certain situations, God has changed his mind, you know. Somebody was about to die, and, and the person would pray, and God would relent and, and, and give him, you know, 15 more years and things of that nature. But, brethren, in this case, God's been warning them for a long time. And so when he says it, that's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no turning back. And sometimes it's that way in our life. After repeated warnings and numerous opportunities to repent, and Israel absolutely refused to do so, then he finally drops the hammer, right? Brethren, God is patient, and he's merciful, and he's forgiving. But sinful man can finally exhaust even the patience of Almighty God. And Israel certainly did. And the discipline is harsh. The way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. Seventy years... Taken out of your home by force, and many people that were not useful for slaves were killed. They took everything you owned, anything of value, and they you go off into a foreign country, and you don't speak that language, and you're going to be treated pretty much like an animal. There's a time, brothers and sisters, when God says, "That's it, no more." We've seen that throughout history. And if it requires, in this case it does, and in sometimes our cases, if it requires severe discipline to save our souls, God loves us enough to do that. And so we need to praise him for that, brothers and sisters. As Hebrews uh, says in chapter 12, verses 5 through 8, all discipline for the moment is not pleasurable but very painful, but afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So, brothers and sisters, when God speaks, He's what he means, okay? And we need to understand that. Seventy years in captivity means 70 years in captivity. They're not a day before. That's exactly what it means, okay? And, brethren... Maybe God's already got something like that ordained, as it were, or set for us, and he's not going to back off on it. For whatever reason, in his wisdom, he knows what's best. And we can pray, and we can do, and we can strive, but if it's against God's will, brethren, we're going to be spinning our will. Sometimes we just need to understand that. And so what do we do secondly then? Seek the brightest course while under the dark, darkest circumstances. People get in a real bad circumstance, a real bad situation. Where they're oh, no, I can't see any good in this. I can't see that any good's going to come out of this. And, and this is not what Jeremiah advises them, okay? He said, you make the best of a bad situation. Brethren, that doesn't mean, uh, verse 5, this is, this is what he said to him in our text, okay? Build houses and live in them, plant uh, gardens and eat their produce. Now, that, he's not talking about, that we need to embrace some naive, unrealistic, or impossible view of a situation. But simply that we should say what's been called the prayer of serenity, you know, Lord, help me to change the things I can, to accept the things that I cannot change, and then give me the knowledge or the wisdom to know the difference. You know, brethren, there's some things that through prayer and effort that God's willing to, you know, work with us. There's other things that maybe not. And we need to pray for that wisdom to know the difference. He said, you build houses. You live in them. That's what you need to do. Can you imagine saying this to people, you know, that's, that's in captivity? He said, you settle down in the land. You work. You make the best of your situation in where you're at. You're going to be there for 70 years. And so that's what we need to learn to do, brothers and sisters, okay? As we've already said, bloom where you're planted, right? And uh, we need to do that. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16, Paul talks about this, whatever situation you find yourself in, right? Paul says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Can we do that, brothers and sisters? He says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then he says, of course, and the very famous verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God says, I put you there. I put you in that captivity. So what are you going to do for 70 years? Don't rebel. Don't have a revolt. Don't try to make it hard on the people of your nation. Don't try to make it hard on your masters. You build houses. You plant gardens. You settle down. You You just hang in there right you endure you persevere you're going to have to be here for a while so just get on with your life that's what he told him to do in a in a in a enslaved environment and then he tells them something even more wild if you if you can understand the culture he says i want you thirdly verse six you marry and have children and you and, and the children you have you marry them off so they can have children brothers and sisters Their reasoning in this time and in other harsh times is, why in the world would I bring children into this sinful, evil world? It's not fair to them, you know? Their reasoning was that, you see, brethren, in this day and age, uh, slaves were considered property. Just like a, a cow or, or, or a horse or a goat, you know. If a man if a had any of those three and they gave birth, then their offspring was considered, rightfully so, the, the owner's property. So the slaves, when they gave birth, their child immediately becomes a property of their masters so why in the world would any sane person want to give birth to a child only to have him or her raised up in slavery that just seems ludicrous doesn't it from a human standpoint why bring children in this sinful evil world people say it's just not fair to them god told them to do that god told them to do that I'm sure they might have been shaking their head, brothers and sisters, you know. Uh, but this is what God said to do in this situation, in the midst of their very harsh uh, lifestyle and very tough slavery, you know. And uh, and so the, the we say that today, you know. People say, man, what do you think it would be like to be having children in, in England uh, during World War II when the uh, smearers were being bombed out of them on a daily basis, you know. Why in the world would you want to have children in a situation like that? And this is the same thing. The Israelites are in captivity, you know. Our kids are going to be born into slavery. What in the world kind of future is that? And God says, you have children, and you marry them children off, and you let them have children. Brothers and sisters, a lost world needs to witness godly marriages in Christian homes, even in the worst of circumstances, Amen. You know what? Uh, you, you want a Christian nation? God's people needs to produce a whole lot more Christians than the heathens do. The heathens, right? You young mamas, y'all need to start having babies. I mean, let's raise them up in Christ, brethren. The heathens aborting theirs. Let's, let's raise up a Christian nation. But, but more importantly than that, brethren, we need to be also giving birth to spiritual babes. Amen? Every one of us can take part in that, even us older folk, right? We can bring somebody to Christ, and then they'll become a spiritual babe in Christ. They've experienced the new birth. Now, brethren, here's what this is this is an act of faith. This is an act of faith. Of God's promise of a better future. We've just read where he says, I have plans for you. I have a future for you. I'm going to do good to you. And so this is their faithfulness in saying that I believe God is going to carry out his promises. Who's going to see those promises? If somebody would say 20 or 30 when they was carried into captivity, and they're going to be there for 70 years and, and, and under harsh slavery, they're not going to live that long. So it's going to be their children and perhaps their children's children whose God is going to take back to Israel and bless once again. So God knows what he's doing, see. And he said, this is what you need to do in this regard. So brethren, if God through his word chooses not to change things, then there's no way we're going to change them. And what do we do? We we build houses. We plant vineyards. We marry. We marry we give our children in marriage do what God says to do you do what you would do if times were prospering you know well uh, some of you young people I've not a lot of young people in here but but let me tell you this I have young people say to me brother green we're gonna wait till we can afford it to have kids (laughs) you never will no you know you never will (laughs) not hardly okay uh it it I mean unless you really start off well um, but uh, so, so do what God says to do And then he says that fourthly brethren I'm uh, trying to move right along here Seek peace wherever you are Verse 7 Listen to this Seek the welfare of the city Where I have sent you into exile And pray to the Lord on its behalf For in its welfare you will have welfare Brothers and sisters <laughs> It's saying to these slaves You pray for your masters You pray for those who are using you You pray for those who have come in by violence and taken you out of your homes and taken you to this foreign nation and are going to enslave you and your children. You pray for them. You pray for that city. Let me give you a a couple of uh, different versions that talk about this. Um, The New American Bible says this, Promote the welfare of the city to which I have exiled you. Pray for it to the Lord, for upon its welfare depends your own. And then the new international version said, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And then thirdly, the contemporary English Bible really puts it in our language. Pray for peace in Babylon and work hard to make it prosper. The more successful that nation is, the better off you will be. Beloved, God says, I am going to bless this nation, a heathenistic, idolatrous nation that did not believe in the one true God. That I'm going to bless this nation because you're there and you're praying for it. And that's what I want you to do. Man, brethren, we need to pray for whatever place or situation in which we are, right? First Timothy 2, 1 through 4 there. First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Brethren, that was written when Rome was severely persecuting Christians and they were under Roman rule. And here's a situation here where it's the same way. God don't say, pray for the destruction of this city, pray that God will overthrow this city, pray that God will come in and and destroy this city. He said, no, you pray for their prosperity. You pray for their good. Isn't that amazing? I'm sorry, this is acceptable and good in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Beloved, God sent them there to be slaves, and he said, be slaves. And so you pray for your masters. You pray for their prosperity. Um, and so, brethren, that's what we need to learn to do. I'm, I'm telling you, brethren. You know what? People that in our society that really um, jump all over Christians about being a, uh, you know, a, a blot on society and hurting our society, and, and what we could, how how our society could really advance if it wasn't for those Christians, you know, and their ideas and their beliefs. Those people should thank God because God blesses a nation on behalf of His people. And 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 they need to be grateful for that, brethren. And and so uh, because he said you pray for them because upon their welfare and prosperity depends your own, and that was especially true in a in a slave society, brethren. If these people were attacked, if their economy tanked, and they couldn't afford to feed themselves, they sure ain't going to feed the slaves. So it was for their own prosperity. And then he says, Brethren, I'm trying to hurry. Beware of false prophets, Jeremiah 29, verse 8. He says, 8 and 9. He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners, or sorcerers, some versions say, deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Brethren, that's been going on since time eternal, and it's going to go on until the Lord returns again. We have false prophets in our day day, and we need to be careful of not listening to them, just as God warned them back in that day not to do that as well. These prophets, see, were promising a speedy deliverance of, of Israel when God said, No, it's going to be 70 years in captivity we see in chapter 28 if you turn back one page in jeremiah 28 the first three verses there and it says um actually this it's going to be verses uh uh yeah one through three now in the same year in the beginning of the reign of zedekiah king of judah in the fourth year in the fifth month uh, hananiah the son of azar the prophet he, he claimed to be a prophet of course we're going to see he's a false prophet was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I'm going to bring him back to this place. All, I'm going to bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. Okay, brothers and sisters... God has said it's going to be 70 years. These false prophets are saying, nope, only going to be two years. That's what God told me, okay? And God says, don't listen to them, okay? And as a result, uh, Jeremiah spends the rest of the chapel getting on to them. And then um, um, as a result of that, brothers and sisters, verses 15 through 17 tells what happens in this same um, chapter then jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah the prophet listen now Hananiah. the lord has not sent you and and you have made this people trust in a lie therefore thus saith the lord behold i am about to remove you from the face of the earth this year you are going to die because you have counseled rebellion against the lord so Hananiah the prophet died in the same year in the seventh month so brethren god said i don't like you lying about me so he takes that false prophet out Okay? But brethren, here's the thing, see, um, diviners, sorcerers, false prophets were all echoing echoing, echoing this same optimistic babble, you know, as the false prophets. And and the people the, you say, Well, how could they so how could they be so deceived when God's true prophets were saying the opposite? The people actually wanted to be deceived, brethren. Have you ever met anybody like that? They want to believe a lie? They preferred the darkness to the light. And so they encouraged the prophets to sway them with uplifting dreams, okay? Look at Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 5, okay, 30 and 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened to the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority, and my people love it so. But what will you do at the end of it? Well, the end of it is we're studying right now, is 70 years in Babylonian captivity. Brothers and sisters, this warning was given repeatedly in the Old Testament, repeatedly in the New Testament. It remains valid today. Uh, there are a lot of people that are being deceived by false teachers today, and many of them willingly so. And Because you say, well, the Bible, I don't care what that Bible says. My preacher says, and he's so charismatic, and he's so spirit-filled, and he's this or that or the other. Brothers and sisters, just as in that day, today, false prophecy false teaching will enslave you and destroy you and so god says even in their captivity don't listen to them and then he says number six you will not leave this existence until it's time verse 10 God because i told you 70 years it's going to be 70 years no ifs ands or buts about it jeremiah recorded that god's going to determine the time of our departure not us and so when god said 70 brothers and sisters he meant 70 i believe god has the time of a departure for all of us don't you God, God ordains our life, brothers and sisters. God orders our life. And, and when it's our time to go, we're going to go. And, and so, or, or if God has a particular blessing for you, and he says, not yet, I'm, I'm going to do it in this amount of time. And God means that, brothers and sisters, because he's all wise. And he knows what's best for us. That's why we need to learn whether we're in a captivity, in some kind of a horrible situation, to say, not my will, but your will be done. And then, seventhly, brothers and sisters, a word of hope for the captives, and that's what we read through verses 11 to 14. God said, I have plans for you. Always have. He said, I'm, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bring you back to your homeland. I'm going to restore your fortunes. Can God restore what's been lost? He yeah, he can, brethren. And, and he said, he said I'm going to prosper you once again. Brothers and sisters, God promised Abraham that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would come through his seed, and so he's not going to destroy all of Israel. He says, I'm going to keep the faithful remnant, and he's going to restore them, and he's going to rebuild Jerusalem. He's going to rebuild the nation of Israel, and he's going to prosper his people once again. And so, and so then um, that's what God wants to do. That's the word of hope for the captives. God gives them the assurance that his thoughts for them are directed towards their peace and their well-being and not their destruction. He, he said he was never going to do that. God knows his plans and his purpose. Sometimes we don't, brethren, but God does. And so you know what he's telling them? Hope in your latter end, right? Hope in your future. You can't give up. As bad as it was to be in Babylonian slavery for 70 years, and for most of them to die there, you cannot give up because God says, I have a future for you. He says in Jeremiah 29, 10, after the 70 years, you will will, uh, hearken to me, saith the Lord. You will come to me. You will listen to me. You will pray to me. And then verse 14 tells us that God keeps his promises. Beloved, what do we learn from this? We see in our text the captives were absolutely responsible for making their own bed. They deserved every bit of this. They sinned and they continue to sin and they refused to repent and they refused to worship the one true God. So their situation, they brought it on themselves they were and and they had to live with it and in this case they had to live with it for 70 years and brethren from this we need to learn i think that we need to make the best of a bad situation whether we caused it or not you know sometimes we do bring stuff on ourselves we do reap what we suffer and we do suffer the consequences of our sin and so what do you do man up accept it i'm here because it's my own fault this is the reason you know, don't blame God. Don't blame others. Don't blame your circumstances, your environment, your mom or daddy or anything else. Just, just man up and say, I did this, and I'm, and I'm reaping the consequences of it, and that's what I got to do, and so I'm just going to have to do it and, and, and just continue to serve God. <clears throat> you say, well, Brother Green, what if I get in a horrible situation? That's not my fault. Brethren, With these wicked, evil Israel who were idolaters were taken off into Babylonian captivity, the faithful remnant who had not committed idolatry and were being faithful to God were also taken into captivity. They weren't spared. And so they had to do the same things the others did. And so do that. Do that. And brothers and sisters, if we do that, you're going to be victorious. No matter what this life may throw at you, God has a plan for you. And he's going to prosper you. He don't have plans to harm you. He's going to prosper you. And, our, and of course, our prosperity, our end, their end result, according to the promises that God gave Israel, was that he was going to restore them to Jerusalem, to Israel. And the Bible tells us that our rest is going to be, according to the revelation, in the new Jerusalem, which is talking about heaven. So if we have to endure some horrible circumstances for 70 years and then receive our reward in heaven for an eternity, is that not worth it? Don't rebel. Don't quit. Don't leave God. No matter how bad things get, brethren, don't quit. Hang in there. Be faithful to God. And he has a future for you and a marvelous one for his Christian people an eternal one for us. So we should never, ever, ever give up. Amen? That's the lesson. It's an invitation now for those that may need to respond while we stand and sing.